Welcome to the podcast. Join Nate and Mike, lifelong friends, as they discuss stocks and investing. The name says it all. This This is is Two Buds Buds Talk Talk Stocks. Stocks. All opinions expressed by Nate and Mike are their own. Please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome to the pod. We are live. It's been a minute, Mike. How you been doing? Man, I'm doing awesome. And here's to your comment of it's been a minute. You know, I check the market every day. I'm always constantly looking at my portfolio, making sure reallocating. But I kind of take it a little bit easier in the summertime. Mm-hmm. You know, June comes around. It's kind of a time for reflection. I've been doing a lot of mountain biking. You know, the first day of spring for me is when I put the snowboards away mm-hmm. and I take the mountain bike out. And then the first day of fall is when I, or really winter is when I put the mountain bike away and put the snowboards out. So, you know, I've been getting a lot of hate mail. When's the next pod? It's been a while, but I think we just needed a little, we, we're busy. We're out there enjoying uh, life. I mean, yeah, summertime, sun's out, guns out, whatever you want to say that, yeah, doing stuff, been traveling, camping with the family, doing other stuff. And like you, probably not looking at the portfolio nearly as much. So maybe there's a theory to this when you're, when the weather's warm, you're outdoor, you're not thinking about it, but in the winter time, it's cold. There's nothing better to do than look at your uh, account all day long. Well, you know how, what is it? September historically is the worst month of the year. Right? Yeah, it's it's the sell in May and go away is the adage, but yes, September is by far the worst performing month. So what happens is like people start, you know, Labor Day ends, kids are back in school, people are like, I gotta sell a bunch of stuff. You know, that's probably what it is. There's something to it. Also, too, the the I mean, some of the the biggest single day crashes were also both in September. Wasn't the um the Black Monday in in eighty seven? Was October I think twenty seventh. Okay. What about the uh, the um, um, stock market crash of the um, late twenties? Was that a September one? The day that it had its biggest uh, all time drop. I mean, sure. we'll get producer. Sounds about right. I think <laughs> yeah, March we'll had something, but that was COVID. Uh, we'll get producer March Tom had to one. fact check for that. Yeah, Tom sent me a bunch of emails, and I'm like, I'm only going to do a couple questions, but I got a lot of that. Hey, where's the next pod? I'm like. Hey, chill out, bro. <laughs> go go for a hike or something. All right. Yeah, yeah. We're just living. I'll life do here. when we're when we're good and ready. <laughs> That's right. It's our pod. Nobody's going to tell us when to do it or how often to do it. Yeah, I had a great day. I was camping. I did a thousand foot mountain biking climb. Came back Ooh. down. Did a five mile run right back up the same hill, and that's what I've been doing, man. What have you been up to? Um, alluded to it was doing some uh some camping. Been uh. Still got car problems. So uh told you mm-hmm. we got the electric vehicle, but it's an older one. So the range isn't great on it. So it's just around town, but it also wouldn't fit all the gear for, for all of us. So um the other car we have has just been having problems. And it's um it's basically it's the adage of you take the car to the mechanic and it never does the same thing. I've had it to I don't <laughs> know how many different places and each of them just say they can never duplicate the problem. Some of them tried fixing stuff. So we're embroiled in a battle right now for one of the dealerships too that that fixed a whole bunch of stuff that 
obviously wasn't the problem that the original uh, issue is is still occurring. But yeah, it's always the same. Like, I don't know what to tell you. The thing runs like a dream. And then we'll get on a long road trip and it'll have the problem. One of them we had to turn back around because the car just Ooh. starts lo losing power. And it was just like something straight out of the movies, just stranded in the middle of nowhere. We, we limped into a little town and just stayed in a motel and a local mechanic was able to like patch it up for us to get back home. But so the, the saga continues, but in between that, trying to stay closer to home and do some camping trips. Nice. Yeah. I, um, been doing a lot of camping, a lot of running, a lot of fishing, a lot of refreshing the portfolio. We're in a full blown bull market here, right? Is it? It's uh, what is it? The uh, the definition? If you're twenty twenty percent off of the previous low, it's a it's a new bear market. Is that how it works? Well, let's go over a couple things here. January first to July eleventh. That's when this pot is. Mm -hmm. S and P's up sixteen percent. Uh, um. Dow Jones year to date. Yikes! Forget about that one. Here, here's here's my thing, and I'll I'll go in a little bit of a segue. I know we got some listener mail I wanted to attach. Chipotle year to date fifty percent. Apple year to date fifty percent. You believe that fifty percent year to date? So when was it? We should we should have uh, we should go back in the archives. But uh, I was thinking about this recently because. It made news that Apple reached the $3 trillion market cap. It did. Do you remember when we did the podcast yes. about how it reached $2 trillion in market cap? And we thought that was insane because it had already doubled from being the first company that was $1 trillion. Um, We start throwing around these trillions and it really just, it oversimplifies the fact that a uh, trillion dollars is, is what, like 12 zeros after, after the number? That's a huge company and that it's probably done this in the span of a year and a half at most going from, from two, two to three. I mean, and is there anything that you can think of that, that stops Apple from being the the juggernaut that it is? I mean, in the foreseeable future. Well, and I remember Apple's now trading at $188. And I think consciously you and I don't talk a lot of Apple because we don't want to like talk too much about it. It's my, it's either one, two, it's my third largest holding. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we were talking Apple at 145, 158, 163. I remember when I bought at 175 and this was, you know, uh, about a year ago, I bought it at 175 in August of 2022, Crat cratered if you want to use that word, you know, we're at 125 January 3rd. And here we are trading at $188, $2.958 trillion. You know, it's it's crazy. I mean, they're, they're, they've got to be on the runway. I mean, we might as well get to it right now. They hit $3 trillion. I think they're going to hit four. NVIDIA, they, they're at a million. They're a trillion. Yeah, I want to say and during... We had the same conversation about NVIDIA... I remember back when NVIDIA October 6th was trading $131 a share, which I was buying it up then. And I know it was scared hitting the execute button. I was buying fractional shares back there. And here we are, trillion dollars, $424 a share year to date in NVIDIA, 196% year to date. 
Yeah, it's up almost two twofold since the beginning of the year. I mean, this is a real example too of a a um, a real round trip because during the pandemic, I feel that especially it tied in with the crypto boom. Yep, and people mining that uh, they yeah, hit, there was the mining. That was right. Nvidia <laughs> they hit a billion. They hit a billion yeah. back then. And trillion, then came, uh, trillion, trillion right? excuse me, thank you. And then came down a lot. And here we are, we're back up uh to a to a trillion. And there's only and five less than five companies, Apple, um, Amazon, Google, and NVIDIA. Um, let's or see is, here. Google's 1.49. I think isn't I think <clears throat> we me. could take a look at it, but United Health, didn't they break a trill? No, I think they're one of those ones that have been half it's, it's, uh, half a trillion. This is the thing too that No, you're right. 430. Have you ever well, seen All right, let's see if we can do that research. Have you ever here. seen that infographic of um it's like a real-time video that shows the um the highest market caps of companies over the last say 40 years going back to the 80s, but it shows it in a speed lapse and you can see it all throughout the 80s and the 90s and it's real interesting yes. when, you, when you look at the 80s, it was pretty much automakers, um, oil companies, um, of course, industrials like energy were up there. But um, and then in the 2000s, there's the um, it's like the blip of uh, late 90s, early 2000s before the, the tech bubble burst when Cisco was at close to, to half a trillion. It was 500 billion. Yeah. But even even then, it takes several years for things like Exxon to, to come back up to close. But that half a that five hundred billion for a long time was, I think, the biggest that that there was. And then to think about how many companies now are double that, and then Apple that is double that again. Hold on for a second, Tom. Where are you with this? All right, we I got it right here. Sorry, five companies above a trillion. Thank you, Tom. Can you name them? Apple. In order. Um, <laughs> Apple, Amazon, Google, Nvidia, and then I'm gonna. It guess makes the, so much the, sense. The fifth is either Facebook or Tesla, market or Microsoft. Oh, how did I forget that? That's actually probably number so, two. Then Apple's two point nine, gonna hit a trill. Hopefully. Yeah, Microsoft's got to be two. I missed. I looked two point four two Microsoft. Um, I own Apple. I Google's three, 1.4491. We'll talk about Google and then I own Google, Amazon 1.32, own Amazon, NVIDIA, and NVIDIA. And people are like, why don't you own Microsoft? I have so much exposure to Microsoft and I sold all my Microsoft to buy Chipotle. Uh, I'm good. I don't need any more tech. So stop emailing me on it. So those are the, the, the then Tesla 855 billion, uh, Meta 764. Here's what I like a lot. Coming in at number eight, Berkshire. Yeah. That's one too uh, that is um, I mean, I want to say if you looked at those same time lapses of the market cap, they probably were always hovering oh, yeah. in the top um top 10, 15, top 20. But um sneaky, sneaky good. I mean, Buffett and Munger just uh keep allocating capital and it keeps just keeps growing. Never, never lights the world on fire, but that's what, I mean, 50 years of returns looks like. 
So here's, let's talk about Google. I've been adding to it the whole time, 31% year to date. Amazon has been on a tear, 50%. <laughs> it's crazy, man. We should see, can, uh, can producer Tom do some some quick math for us and see those top five companies um, yep. since since the S&P is, um, is a market cap weighted, what total percentage of the S&P those five companies make up? Because I think I've heard it that, when you look at the majority of the 500 companies in there, there's a lot of them that are still not, I mean, are just above water a little bit here or doing okay. But I think it's these five companies, again, a rising tide lifts all boat that have made it so that the S&P is just raging. Well, the I, Tom, I don't know if this is going to work for what Tom got. Tom sent me Apple's number one, 7.57%, Microsoft 669 Amazon 3.08, NVIDIA 2.8, Tesla 1.97. Do you still own Tesla? No, no, I, I sold it at the, it. Sold it at the no. beginning of the year. And um, again, when I sold it, it was at the haven't beginning of the year. It got a little bit of a pop. Um, but yes, I haven't looked back. I know I would have sold it for even more. But as I said, that had nothing to do with the uh, Tesla, the car itself. I still think they're- You know, uh, most people, maybe we've talked about this before, Elon Musk didn't start Tesla. <laughs> let's, this is let's part the of the break. This, this is part of the problem that that um that I have is my issue is not with Tesla itself. It's just with with Elon Musk and um, he. He should that. say that more too. You can't keep coming off like you invented Tesla. Do you when know you didn't what a invent what a raging narcissist he is? That he has written rewritten the um the bylaws and the origin story for not just Tesla, but I think he also did this for PayPal. So that when you look at those, that he says that he is a founder now. So if you actually go to the website and look at That's the- That's crazy uh, talk. Now, I don't know if he did that for sure with Tesla, but I watched a documentary. He for sure did this with PayPal, that basically when he was made CEO, and this is part of his wrangling to get himself to be CEO of PayPal, was so that he could say, I started PayPal, even though he started the smaller company that PayPal bought out. And the same, I think- is with Tesla. He was just a very early investor and he used his PayPal proceeds to invest in it, but he single-handedly pushed out the two guys that started Tesla and made All right, himself I got another quick trivia question for you. By the way, those five companies, I did the math on it when you read them off there, I added them up, um, 25% of the entire S&P. Yeah, so it makes sense. That's I And mean, there's a point to what I'm getting at with my new buy I have. Mm -hmm. um, do you know why? Where the name Berkshire comes from? Yeah, it was the textile mill that um, Buffett actually had first bought stock in. He became a controlling, he bought the controlling interest and then killed off the textile business and and revamped it as the conglomerate. But Berkshire well, Hathaway look at was, you. was the Northeast. Looks like, I've actually, yeah, you... um, I know you think that I'm not this big Buffett guy, um, but actually I've I've read the, uh, the Alish, Schneider Schroeder book yeah. on him, Snowball's Snow, a good one. Uh, well, he also like Snow Snowball or something. Snowball, Snowball. Is, the, is kind of the biography on him. And then I've written, I've read uh, Robert Axstrom's uh, book, The Buffett Way, and a couple other ones like the essays of him. And yeah, Berkshire was a um, was a textile mill in the Northeast. That's right. You got right. Anyway, that's my little rant. Um, so... Can I tell you, I'm, I'm just going to jump all over the place. I got a great question from Tom. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they said, this is from Keith 
and we're not going to do all user mail. I just really wanted to talk about this one. This is from Keith in Austin. Name three financial companies you want to own and why. Mm. And I was going to go first. Go for it. And I was going to tell you why. Berkshire mm -hmm. Financial and Visa MasterCard. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why. I've owned, I do own, sorry, Wells Fargo. I own the tons of the financial ETFs. Um, I've owned banks in the past. I only own Wells Fargo as the only bank. And I own a bunch of financial ETFs. There's nothing worse. And this is so simple when you think about it. And I'm going to give my hat to you. You're the one that slapped me in the face and said, why don't you own Visa and MasterCard? Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I didn't, but I do. And I've been adding to it a bunch. There's nothing worse than these two words put together, loan losses, <laughs> right? JP Morgan's going to have them. Goldman Sachs is going to have them. Those ETFs for the financials are all going to have them. Berkshire's going to have them. They're all going to have them because they all lend money. But Visa and MasterCard, they don't lend money. They just take money. And it sounds so simple. Discover lends money. Yeah. That's why I don't own Discover. It's also it sounds so too. simple. Same with Capital One. Capital One. I don't want lending because when the poop hits the fan or whatever you mm -hmm. want to say, loan losses is the number one phrase you're going to hear on a conference call. And Visa and MasterCard aren't going to say that. So, I mean, what do you think? This is That's my um, answer. I don't know what you think. Yeah. I mean, two out of the three were the same for me um, Visa and MasterCard. And sometimes um, I really just think that if if I wanted to narrow down my portfolio, I could probably just own Visa and MasterCard and feel that I have a pretty much a large swath of the entire consumer market. I mean, regardless of what you're purchasing, almost everything these days is purchased with credit. Now, big purchases, cars, houses, your rent, that's not it, but almost are everyday expense from the moment we get up and go get our Starbucks to our McDonald's at lunch to our new pair of Nike shoes and our Home Depot uh, um, stuff or our, our Sherwin-William paint is you're, you're swiping that card. So the business model is so simplistic and just- And they're not the borrowing money. I mean, just cut you off. They're not borrowing money to give you money. You it's, see what I'm saying? It's the super, it's um. It's however Listen. you want to look at it. It's, it's office space. It's Superman three, basically where they do, you round off the fractions of the penny. Isn't that the joke in office space <laughs> yeah. is when they write the code. And he's like, didn't they do that in movies? Like, yeah, they did it in Superman three or whatever, but that's, I mean, they make fractions of a penny on every single transition on uh, transaction. But when you're visa and you're running a billion transactions a day and oh, by the way, it's not like anyone's coming in and building a brand new network. I mean, Amex was there before. I guess Discover Card built theirs in the 80s, but Visa and MasterCard are so ingrained. And the largest opportunity, I mean, this is the one that, that you and I talk about a lot and I pound the table on, it's ubiquitous here in, in the United States, our 400 or so million people or whatever it is. But when you think about the 7 billion people worldwide and in China and India and uh, South America and their burgeoning middle class that didn't have access to credit or do. That's where I think the growth opportunity is really prevalent because that network doesn't just work here. It's it's worldwide. So if I wanted to just, sometimes I just think those are the only two I need, but I don't think I'd sleep well at night 
only owning only holding a portfolio of of two stocks. That's that's I wouldn't I, would I wouldn't agree. be able to sleep. But you could make a real strong case that those two companies are going to be fine. The third one, but those. To, so let me just ask you a simple question. To me, I'm going Berkshire, not in any order. Visa, Mastercard. To me, Visa, Mastercard, to me is one company. Mm-hmm. I invest in e- e- both of them equally. I always, when I'm purchasing and dollar cost averaging, I do both equally. I've never added to one without adding to the other. Mm-hmm. To me, they're just one company. Um, and I like that approach. After a while, it seems kind of redundant, like one company adding the same. I owe the exact same amount in both of them. They follow each other pretty similarly. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like at this point, they're one entity. What are your three financial companies? And you can't use any of the ones I picked. <laughs> Well, I was going to say Visa and MasterCard. It's also, we did this, I think, on our last podcast. It's another good example of uh, the Coke to the Pepsi or the Home Depot yeah. to the Lowe's or the Walmart to the Target. And um, I think there's there's something to this that Walmart is much larger than Target. Uh, Coke is much larger than Pepsi. Home Depot right. is much larger than Lowe's. But in being the smaller company, I think there's more runway for for growth in those smaller companies. So when you look at the the charts of all those companies over the, say the last 10, 15 years, the smaller company is actually, although they they those companies all perform pretty similarly as far as the return, the smaller company has had a better return. And I think the same holds true for Visa and MasterCard. MasterCard's the smaller one and it has performed a little better. And I would say it's still the idea too that there's there's more room to, for 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 growth there. So I would put MasterCard number number one, Visa number two. But like you, I very much just find if you're buying one, you buy the other and you know you're pretty well covered. You have third, a third, uh, sorry, go I, ahead. I was, I was thinking about this too. And like you, I've never owned a bank and I don't ever have any interest in owning a bank. And this is part of the idea we can invest the and the things we like or we don't like or the future we want to see. And I will say out of everything that happened in the uh, financial crisis of 2008, and that was the first time I was really up close and personal with any sort of banking crisis, it really just left a bad taste in my mouth. How many of those banks that just basically wanted to cry foul that we were making money hand over fist, but as soon as times were bad, we went to the government, reached out our hand and said, hey, can you you bail us out? And that never... That didn't sit with me right there. Airlines are the same way. It's still, they're the first to say and brag about how well they're doing when they're jacking up prices, when when profits and times are good. But as soon as times get tough, those are the first to stand in line and say, Uncle Sam, will you please help us out? Which in turn is just you and I and every other taxpayer. So I just- You don't have a, do you have a third? Like a Charles Schwab? I mean, I I, I don't have a a fourth. So um, it's interesting because with Berkshire, I mean- there's no way around it. You're getting a lot of bank exposure when when you look at how much um of uh, Buffett's portfolio is banks. So it wouldn't be Berkshire for me. It wouldn't be any of the regional or the um the money center banks. I would look at a play, and I'm just going to stick with my with my home cooking here stuff I own. Um, it's going to be more of that fintech play. So That's I was good. thinking ways to go this. A lot of ways to play this with with Block with PayPal, but actually. I'm going to kind of cheat here and multitask it. Um, you've heard me talk about uh, Mercado Libre. It's like the Amazon of South America, but the biggest growing segment of the business is actually their 
their Mercado Pago. It's their version of PayPal, their version of that. Whereas eBay was once, uh, or PayPal was once tied into eBay and then was spun off as a separate company. And now PayPal's the bigger. I would go Mercado Libre because I wouldn't be surprised at some point in the future if their payment system becomes bigger, if they spin it off, or even if it is, uh, they keep it, that's going to be the driver. It's just uniting the e-commerce with the payment platform. So there you go. And that's that international exposure you're going to get too. Yeah. Again, we talked, I mean, I just mentioned South America. I mean, it's one of uh, places like uh, Brazil too, or some of the, the, the fastest growing um, uh, economies in the sense that you have this uh, kind of this growing and burgeoning uh, middle class that just have discretionary dollars to, to spend. So here's kind of what I was going to throw at you. And this is where I, I I've entered in. I had one other quick question. Mm -hmm. I thought this was a good one. Tom's been fiddling some good ones. What stocks do you own that you don't use? I've got two in mind. Yeah. Do you have any? I was thinking because this was almost one of the worst. This was almost one of my financial ones when I was going to think of something in my portfolio. So this comes to the top of my head. Go ahead for yours. And then I want to tell you about the stock I've been buying slowly adding to and why. And then you can tell me how I'm an idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one, I own Costco. Mm-hmm. My Costco is so busy, so far away. I get Costco um, anxiety going in there that because so many people go there, so many people use their facilities, it's always busy. I'm a Sam's Club guy now. It's closer. It's like a mile away versus 10 miles away. That's number one. Number two. I use ESPN and ESPN plus all the time. I watch every UFC Saturday at apex. Mm-hmm. I watch all the prelims every Saturday. I watch the apex ones all the way through, but I want nothing to do with Disney and I don't own Disney and I don't ever see me never say never. I don't, it's not on the horizon for me to own it. So those are my two companies that I own. And I guess maybe you could throw an Ulta. I don't really buy like makeup. I guess you could say my, my wife does. Mm-hmm. By but, extension, uh, those are my ones that I own and I don't use. What about you? Um, the Ulta one just made me think what of was that? one for I said the Ulta one for sure made me think I'm probably in the same boat, but then extension we've talked about Lululemon. I have <laughs> never owned a pair of their um mm. their um yoga yeah, pants. Their shorts, dude. Um, or... And I yeah, and I was gonna say no one in my family owns that, so Lulu for sure put Ulta in there. Like you, Costco. Um I have a membership. We keep getting memberships. Um, yeah, my partner's her her mom has a has a membership show. She always gets the deluxe one where you get a you can give a free membership as part of yours. But it's just it's not convenient for us to drive to it. It's it's forty five minutes away is the closest one, and it's not practical mm-hmm. to go during the week when it would be slower. And like you, every single Costco on Saturday or Sunday is just so an busy. absolute mess. But strangely enough. This is the exact reason why I love being owner of a Costco well, sh- because you got it. it. You could have said it better. Don't want to be a part of it, and, but yes, I see it. Well, and there are times where it's like, I tell my wife, I'm like, okay, I'm going to run 10 miles and I'm going to go to Costco. I don't know which is going to be harder. <laughs> you know, it's like, they both take don't the same amount of time. I went to Costco and I put away the Costco stuff. Anyway, those are my questions. 
So, and of course, you know, feel free to cut me off. You got some stuff going on. I was going to tell you new stock I've been adding to. You can, by the way, all these tech companies that have like gone up 50%, um, you'll get a kick out of this because I know since day one, you've never been a fan of the stock. And it's like, okay, all right. Costco or uh, Cisco, 8%, hang in there. <laughs> it's coming there. But, um, I, so I I'm said your, at... your Cisco is my Comcast. Cisco is to you as Comcast <laughs> is, sure. is to me. Same, I don't know why, dividends. but it's like uh, it's like Tommy Boy when he's just like, why don't they mark it guaranteed? He's like, because it makes you feel good and nice seeing a little box that's marked guaranteed. He's like, but if you want, I'll take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed for you. It's like, that's how I feel about Comcast. It's my guarantee. It's probably it's just like... going to outpace inflation, but it makes me feel like I have a well-rounded portfolio. Yeah, and the same kind of with uh, Cisco for sure. You know, it's been on a on a rip that I own because I was going to walk you through my top uh, ten holdings. Yeah, later for the audience, tell you why I've been rebuying stuff. FedEx has been on a rip yep. too, man. I, I um, mean, I've been adding. I've been I've, adding to them too. I've been adding to FedEx too. Um, and I was just thinking here today. Was... Well, what do you think they're at? So go ahead, to me and cut They're you year, um, year to date. What it's up? It's got to be up over twenty percent, right? It's close to thirty. Forty five. They really. Um, I remember. Was it last year in December? or Was it the Christmas before that? I remember thinking that um, they had mentioned how they were having problems still finding seasonal workers. They still had the lag of um the pandemic they still had the supply chain issues and they basically said buckle up for the next what is it 18 or so months it's going to be a rocky road for us and we're just telling New you ceo yep, and we're telling you now which i always this is just why this is uh, a little message here for for our investors or for our listeners we're we're not playing the same game as is analysts i mean they look at that as the next 18 months are going to be choppy or whatever we better we better sell. We better panic. We get out. But you and I, we appreciate somebody being transparent that's saying it's going to be a bumping ride. But there is a clearer future here outside of this because I think that presents opportunities to buy in at lower prices and, and dollar cost average. And like you, it's up 45% uh, year to date. But those purchases that, that we made 12 months ago or 18 months ago are probably looking really good because it really was hammered. Mm -hmm. And it makes total sense now. You can see why it was so challenging, but now how they're coming out the other end. And they didn't lower their dividend. We talked about that. Yes. They increased it's it. One, they didn't. I hope they keep. I, we don't need to talk about it because it's my one. Every last, stock in my portfolio went up. Go ahead. Last point. And we talked about this. This is the only problem I yeah. have with FedEx is that um, they raised that dividend so much. I mean, when they yeah, raised it, they, I mean, they just, it's just like, I'd much rather see a company be more conservative with that cash. And instead of raising it that, that, that much, knowing that we're only a pandemic away or a recession away from them possibly having to cut that dividend, I'd much rather just, just why not just raise it incrementally once a year and just save that cash and just keep bumping it up. I don't need it all at once. And I'd much rather have it consistently go up. Well, and then um, it's funny because I, I don't want to dwell on this. And I've had, I've had a great, it's been a great year. Everything's come up, but you know what? Target said the same thing that FedEx said, and they're not up 45%. I'll tell you that much. I thought I'm Target was pretty honest about their last assessment that they said. Down 12% year to date. 
so one of their biggest challenges as they said is uh what do you what do you call it um i don't know what the technical um name is it it's not churn or whatever but they're basically saying theft is one of the biggest issues mm -hmm. that they have that they estimate that over a course of a year 500 million dollars in in potential um going to their bottom line is lost by just basically whether it's employees whether it's scams whether it's areas where where um crime may be higher and they have to hire more security guards or whatever or people feel intimidated going into their to their stores or whatever so i thought it was a pretty honest assessment of of some of the headwinds but i also like that they're saying it because i I mean, it's not like Target lives in a in a vacuum. I mean, usually where there's a Target, there's a Walmart or a Costco. So I would imagine these same headwinds that they're that they're facing are also faced by other retailers too. But Target, uh, but Target is just being more open and, and transparent about it, which I think is good because it probably correlates to the space as a whole. I don't know, man. You know how Costco like checks your receipt. They did change this recently, didn't they? Do the thing where now you really do have to show the um, the Costco membership to to get in, whereas they were getting well, lost on that before too. Well, here's what Sam's does: is that they just randomly scan yeah, look three at items. items in your mm -hmm. cart, you know. But I'm, I, it deters you from stealing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like funny. I've got this abandoned uh, Safeway, right? The building's mm -hmm. abandoned, and Safeway still pays rent on it. And they found that it's cheaper just to pay the rent than to hire a bunch of people, right? Mm -hmm. And then lose money with all the W-2s, the wages, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Target's in the same boat. And I don't feel like talk. I want to be positive today. Market's up huge. You know, I mean, all I'm just saying is everything's up, you know, except for Target. <laughs> and I'm in a little uh, tax harvesting right now where I've sold it. Uh, I can rebuy back on the 15th of July, take some losses because some of my huge gains that I have over the over the year that I've trimmed off some positions, looking to slowly kind of creep into it. But so let me tell you what I what I've kind of been adding to mm -hmm. every kind of month here. So these are my top 10 holdings. You want to guess what number one is? Um it's not Apple. You said Apple was like in your top three, but um I was thinking, I really I'm trying to think of what's what's grown exponentially. Is is Nvidia up there? Not just based on how much it's up this uh, year to date. So this stock, I'm up. I'm doing a little bit. I'm up uh, four thousand four hundred and two percent. Oh, this has got to be yes. I'm think. I'm not thinking not thinking long-term enough. So this has got to be something that you and I were talking way back in the day, circa 2008, 2009. So I'm yep. going to start thinking Home Depot or um, Chipotle. Chipotle's um, number yeah. one. And they've been on a tear, man, year to date. I mean, they're up. Love it's that up CEO. over 2000 per share. Um, that's right. $2,053. So they're number one. Number two, Apple and Home Depot are switching every mm -hmm. week. Just going back and forth every week. Number three, now here's where it gets interesting. So well, let's just say Home Depot is number two because usually they're number two. And then number three is Apple, Amazon, Google, Berkshire, Berkshire, NVIDIA. So I got tons of tech mm -hmm. right there in the top six. 
And I'm not trying to make, and then I start getting into the waste management, Starbucks, Procter and Gamble, uh, FedEx, Visa, MasterCard, United Health, Johnson and Johnson, Costco, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to start trimming a little bit of my tech. I trimmed my target just because I'm waiting for some tax harvest. I sold all my Disney and I want to buy a stock that I hate to say it, but it is Comcast or Cisco that's just slow going and it's not tech oriented. And I've been adding to the Kenview. We talked a little bit about this one. I don't admit, I so, still haven't looked at the numbers on it yet, but you're saying, well, it here, looks let me throw good. this to you. And I'm not trying to convince anyone of to do. I don't, I don't care what you do with your money and I don't care what you do with your money. Nate, I'm just telling you what I did. Okay. So Kenview is they spin off of Johnson and Johnson. It had, I mean, I guess they have some name brands, Tylenol, Band-Aid, Benadryl, Neutrogena, et cetera, et cetera. And the CEO, they want to grow this company because mm -hmm. they are a new company. So even though it's boring on paper, they are a new company. And here's what really got me to thinking. Again, going through back to my portfolio, you know, Chipotle and Home Depot and Amazon, Google, Burke, NVIDIA, um, you know, Shopify, Netflix, FedEx, MasterCard, United, Health, J&J, uh, Alta, ADP, Old Dominion, you name it. Very basic stuff. I've got some high flyers. I've got some DocuSign, some Shopify. I've got things in there that are exciting. I want something really boring because this tech has been on, give or take, a 50% run. If you maybe average it out with my NVIDIA, 65% run. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing that got me going with Kenview. Kenview. We talked a little bit on the pod before. Is if you look at Colgate Palmolive, they're trading at seven and find the, 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 maybe I'm missing something. Tell me here. Col Colgate Palm Olive is trading at $75 a share. They pay a 2.5% yield for their dividend. You look at Kenview, new company, new CEO. They're going to have their dividend at 3.2% yield. So a higher dividend. What's the uh, ticker symbol for uh, Kenview? KVUE. K-V-U-E. All right. Colgate's at $75 a share. I understand they've been around forever. Let's look at some quick financial, just doing quick back of the envelope math, as you like to call it here. We're starting with the cash flow, $1.8 billion for Colgate. Kenview, cash flow, we're at $2.1 billion. More cash flow than Colgate. Trading at $25 a share. Colgate's at $76. We go to the balance sheet here. Total debt. We'll do net debt, $7.7 billion. That's for Kenview. Colgate, so $7.7 billion. $7.99. Same net debt, right? Mm -hmm. Same, really, same line of work here. Let's say we're going to go to their income statement. I'm going gross profit, that's total revenue minus cost of revenue. Trailing 12-month average, 10 billion for Colgate. Kenview, they're looking at 8.2 billion. So what I'm getting at is the products are pretty similar. We're talking Tylenol, Band-Aid, Neutrogena, 
we could go Listerine, Colgate, Palm Olive. We've done all the pods, breaking all that down. Their numbers are pretty similar. And then you're telling me I get Kenview at a $25 per share versus $75 mm-hmm. per share. And their dividend pays more. And I'm willing to bet, and I could be wrong, this is a gut play, because Kenview is new, I think they're going to be more aggressive. And then market cap. You're your big market cap guy. Colgate, $62 billion. Kenview, $48 billion. And I do believe this is a little gut. I have no data for this. Kenview's a new, brand new company. I think they're going to be more aggressive to build the brand and make it a bigger brand than Colgate. I, so that um, was kind of I, why I'm adding my money to a non-tech, boring, and it's $25 and eight cents a share in a year. It could be at $28. And look, if you want to say, well, why are you even investing that? That's fine. I'm almost done. I've got the NVIDIA. I've got the Google. I've got the Amazon. I've got the Chipotle. I've got the Home Depot. Well, Home Depot is a bad example. I've got the Apple. I've got these high flyers that are producing. That's just what I'm adding to. So there you go. I mean, I don't I don't fault you for that either. Sometimes boring is is the best. I mean, companies that are boring that don't light the world on fire consistently put up good numbers and consistently make money and trickles down to to the bottom line and then becomes free cash flow and really as investors, that's what we're trying to do is find companies that reward shareholders, whether it's reinvesting back in the business, new products, or whether it's paying in the form of dividends or, or buying shares. And with names like Benadryl, I mean, it's the antihistamine that I would use. I mean, um, I've used Neutrogena products before. Tylenol is, again, Tylenol is a good example of, of a verb that's it's interchangeable. If people want aspirin, they don't usually say aspirin. They just say Tylenol. What about Band-Aid? Yeah, Band-Aid brand's the same. Or, or uh, Kimberly saying, Clark. Give me a, a bandage Kleenex. to cover my cut-up. Yeah, I mean, Kimberly Clark um, has this with with Kleenex too. We we use it. So that's how synonymous it is. I mean, you laid out the case with the actual growth and the numbers to make sense too. In the back of the envelope to even make it, it simpler. As you said, I'm, I'm a big market cap guy. I mean, just take the number of shares, multiply it by the price. And that gives you a rough estimate of what you were buying the entire company as a whole for. And I always like looking at the, at the competitors in the same space. So telling me that it's above somebody like Clorox and Kimberly Clark that's sim- uh, similar, but it's behind yeah. um, like uh, Colgate Palmolive. But then when you think about the, uh, the elephant in the room, 700 pound elephant is is Procter, uh, Procter Gamble. Gamble that's yeah. that, that's well you can't even compare it because you can't compare it in this I... in sense that yes but it's it's my it's right up there with things like the the snap test that I like and and the and the verb test that that I like that if you were thinking about at some point all things being equal they're going to reach uh, terminal growth I mean and if it kept growing in order for Procter and Gamble to get a to get a double it's got to go from three hundred and fifty to 700 yep. billion yep. Yep. for um kenview if it's roughly around 50 billion to get to 100 billion so that's those are the big numbers that that kind of that make it simple for me too that if they're both uh growing now procter and campbell may uh procter and gamble may grow faster with its its larger product line but still i would say that the kenview has the 
the easier path to to double in size than than somebody like uh, Procter and Gamble does. Well, and I own Procter and Gamble, and it's probably I was already boring everyone with my uh, portfolio. It's number eight, right behind Starbucks. Real quick, because Tom sent this to me. So we were talking what eight billion, seven billion, and gross profit that's total revenue minus cost of revenue for Colgate and you know Kenview yeah real quick what do you think gross profit is for Procter and Gamble trailing 12 month average it's just it's gross profit yep after um, you take the revenue minus the cost of the revenue um is it probably pretty close to their actual market cap somewhere in the 300 to 500 billion range for for their gross profit 37 billion I was way over uh, shot on that. Yeah, you you were, but I was thinking more not like Apple, a, bro. Take it uh, easy. Or Walmart. Talking. I think I think that's like Walmart, but then again, that makes sense because Walmart's selling everything under the sun too. Um, yeah, and then that's where companies like that are feel where is where um, PE and forward PE really really are a good mm-hmm. valuable metric if you want to base it on value. And um, I'm not big on the whole. Uh, well, I get paid to wait with the dividend, but I still think that in this case, it is applicable too, because each time you collect a dividend, whether you're reinvesting it and back into it, or you're just using the cash or you're putting in something else, you still can count that cash that's that's lowering your cost basis for for what you paid for each time. And all things being equal, eventually, if you got enough dividends, then you would, I mean, it was, you're, you're playing with house money anyways, too. And I think that's what a lot of income investors do with something like Procter & Gamble that is paid the dividend for for 65 plus years yeah by the way today july 11th they increased their dividend so um also on the the market real quick go ahead on the market cap thing real quick too feel this is worth uh dropping some some info here too it's worth hammering this point too that when we talk about the market caps that um, when you mentioned Chipotle, it made me look at it again. And I haven't looked at it that closely, but it's trading above $2,000 a, a share. And then you have something like Starbucks that that's trading around $100 a, a share. I don't know exactly Forever where. too, it feels like. Yeah. But if we were just looking at the sticker price, at the, at the actual share price, one seems way more expensive than the than the other. And that's where things like valuation and metrics can can come in handy to see which one is the better one. But then if we also just wanted to look at the market cap too, so the market cap of Chipotle is around $58 billion and, and the market cap for, for Starbucks is around $114 billion. So yep, you're right. the, the size of Starbucks is roughly twice as big as Chipotle. Although the Chipotle, if you just look at the share price, it looks much bigger. And that's that whole thing that it's kind of counterintuitive. But in order to get a double, I mean, Starbucks has to go from $114 billion to $228 billion, And that would mean their share price would be 200 But it's a much easier runway, or I should say a shorter runway to get from, from $58 billion then to, to roughly the size of um, um, Starbucks for Chipotle. And that would put the stock at somewhere around $4,000. It's when you look at the big picture and zoom out, these are things we can all use to try to see if uh, value is there or even if growth is there. I I mean, we've talked about it, I don't know how many times, but there's a num there's a reason why Chipotle is my number one. Uh, 
my number one, my number one in my portfolio. And there's a reason why it's going to continue to be number one. We're in the top three. I'm still adding to it. I still believe in it. 58 billion, great CEO, getting to 100 billion. I can see it on the horizon. So real quick before uh, Tom takes this away from me, Procter & Gamble has been paying a dividend for 133 consecutive years. So 133 consecutive years. That's, I mean, over a century and 65 of the last 65 years, then it's increased. 67. That yeah, year over year, but even 100 plus years. I want to say Colgate's in that category too of over a hundred years, but dude, don't be talking Colgate, man. I'm a Kenvu guy, man. Come on. Well, maybe in a hundred years' time, <laughs> one of your great relatives is gonna be uh, thankful you pass that down and be like, "Wow, Kenvu's been paying it for a hundred and something years too." I mean, that really does boggle the mind. 133 years. That's a long time. I wonder. Uh, is there like a database where you could see if anyone still owns those original shares and what family they're still in? I don't know. Is there a Procter and Gamble family that that still has the trust of? Yeah, those, there was those uh, shares? Steve Proctor and then Tim Gamble. <laughs> I know um, <laughs> the Johnson and Johnson family is still still out there, and like uh, the Hershey's family and the Mars family, and I mean all that network is. Hey, is whoa, tied whoa, up whoa! Mars is private, bud. Well, private companies still. We, listen, um, we don't talk private companies on here. I get it. I, I like Johnson and Johnson. I I add to J and J too. I've never owned J and J. Yeah, I just started. I like it. I mean, it's a complete dud compared to fifty percent. By the way, speaking of fifty percent, we talked about before in the pod. Salesforce. Are they? I haven't looked. Are they on a tear this year too? Yeah, I mean they're they're year to date forty five percent. I mean, this is, the, I don't know. No, I, I got Cisco. I got enough in, in the rear view mirror. Everything is, I mean, hindsight is always 2020, but coming off 2022, it, it, it just makes perfect sense now that all these growth stocks would have rebounded and, and value stocks or, or stocks that, that uh, pay di dividends have, have not had nearly the run. And it just looking back historically every year that there's been um, a double digit down year, most often than not, then the following year, there is a, a huge rebound and we're seeing it with these, these companies, top names. I mean, this is why the S and P is up so much. It's because of those top five tech companies and the rest of the S, S and P is still just, I mean, it's doing historically more so with the, what it's done. I also hear uh, the rebounds in the NASDAQ. Do you hear, see that? The, um, the NASDAQ 100. Yep. They're rebalanced. This is interesting. Um, any July twenty fourth, it's going to be rebalanced. Meaning, are they going to take names out and put new names in? I, you tell me. Yeah, um, rebalance. Here's here's, sure. here's what's um, here's what's funny. The Nasdaq one hundred, and again, the Nasdaq mostly known for being tech stocks. Um, yeah. Here's two stocks that always kind of I always look at this and I was like, these stocks trade on the Nasdaq. Um, we talked about both of them. Uh, Costco and Starbucks both what? trade on, both trade on no. the Nasdaq. Look, uh, producer Tom, pull up the uh, the Nasdaq 100, and you'll be surprised. Monster Energy trades on the it is in the Nasdaq 100. There's a handful of consumer companies. I think Hasbro, the toy maker, is in there. So it's not just tech. Well, There's... so they have got you know you know what the Mag Magnific magnificent seven is. Uh, the movie, the one the I saw the remake with Denzel. No, that actually is a good remake. Yeah, 
No, that's Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, Amazon, Tesla, Meta, Alphabet, and then Alphabet, um, Google L. Um, that's the Magnificent 7. Oh, that's probably the majority of the NASDAQ 100 right there. Yeah. So right now, NVIDIA. So let's see here. Tom, what's Tom sending me on this stuff? Um, just for reference, Apple has 11.4%. As of July, Microsoft's nine point. It's what we were talking about earlier. Google. So I think they're just. I like. I want to see what this reallocation is going to be. Oh, here it is. You ready? Mm -hmm. This is just what you're saying. Which stocks will see a higher Nasdaq weighting? Starbucks. Booking. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Um, Intuitive, Surgical. You own that. Yep. And here's one I'm ready to rip off our face. ADP. ADP. Yeah. You know, they've been around since like 1890. Yeah. I mean, ADP. So I told you it's, it's creeping up on um, 50 years of consecutive dividend increases. You get to that status of um, 50 years. That's it's monumental. To, it really blows your mind. If you think about 50 years in a row, being able to, uh, to raise the dividend, especially when you just look back at most recently at the pandemic and how many companies, cut their dividend. And I think this is something I heard somebody say this. I don't remember who said it, but if you think about in a recession or in a pullback, regardless if it's a, a pandemic or um, economic turn uh, downturn or financial crisis, the things that you probably are not spending your money on are probably the exact same companies that are going to be cutting their dividends. So if you've basically just lost your job because the market downturn or there's a global recession, there's a pandemic, you're probably not rushing out to buy a new General Motors or a Ford car. You're probably not booking that Carnival cruise line type thing. And Are you buying Band-Aids? <laughs> yes. So there's things are. So this goes right back to where we started this. Master and Visa card, you're probably using your credit cards just as much, if not more, because maybe cash is a, is a little tight. But it does make me think, too, that it does seem easy in hindsight when you look at every market downturn companies that probably um, are going to cut their dividend or stop their share buybacks to conserve cash, um, tighten up the belt. And then this speaks to ADP that it's just like, yeah, we, we've been through this. We've been through worse. We'll be through another. But we manage our cash position so well that we're still going to raise that dividend. And I think that's a really cool thing. So you were we were talking about the S and P five hundred, the weighting of the Magnificent Seven. Mm -hmm. You pretty much were saying that. So now, obviously, throwing in Tesla, Meta. I mean, we already talked about the Magnificent Seven. What of those? Microsoft, Apple, Nvidia, Amazon, Tesla, Meta, which I don't own, Alphabet, Google. I always what is it? Shares B and A or whatever. Yeah, the Class A and B. Cloud. Oh, there we go. Class A, Class B. What of that weight take what percentage of, of those seven makes up the NASDAQ? Um, well, you said Apple was like 11 and Microsoft was nine, so that's that was right on the SP. Oh, I thought you were saying that was a um, well, I'm saying I'm on the say, NASDAQ. So, out of those seven, I'm guessing they make up at least one third 55%. 30. Wow, half of it is based on, on those. So that's why I kind of like this rebalancing though. Like get some Starbucks in there, Mondelez is in there, analog digit devices, ADP. 
I mean, so much of it is is tech, tech, tech. And then you see that little thing like, ooh, Starbucks is in here. Mondelez in here. It's like NASDAQ's got a little bit of variety in there. Maybe we've talked about it on the pod, but I was telling someone the other day, first of all, I, I this isn't some hot comedic take, but you're sick of the tipping, right? Like you yeah. go to, you know what I'm saying? I, yes, just watch the thing on this. It's everything now. Well, here's you what like I love me? about do Starbucks. Do you feel guilty? Do you, do you feel peer pressured when you're in line? Is like the next person behind you is going to judge you, so you tip? Or the person just when they spin around the little square reader, it's just like, whoa, that seemed very aggressive. Now I'm going to feel like a real a hole if I don't tip. So I'm. Here's totally what I love about in. Starbucks and their app. Number one, if you go to Starbucks and you're using your Visa, Mastercard, Cash, mm-hmm. they're going to ask for a tip. Mm-hmm. If you use your Starbucks app. They do not ask for a tip. Ooh, you I like, like that? that. <laughs> yeah. Number two, I tell people like when you use your app, you're getting free coffee mm-hmm. because when you Starbucks generates $8 billion off of credit card, off of those gift cards on the app, when you mm-hmm. load money and they take that 8 billion and borrowing at 0.0% interest and reinvesting in the company. So when you're using it, it you're just getting free coffee and they're mm-hmm. already they've already spent your $50 yeah. that you put on your card to reinvest in the company. And then on top of it, they don't ask for a tip. The app is, is worth it. It's the way to go. I was how the often, other day how often I was, do you go to um, Starbucks? Is it uh, a daily thing every other day, weekly? So here's my new thing. People can laugh. People can give me a hard time. I try to not go to Starbucks or if I, this is my goal I have. If I don't eat, drink Starbucks for the whole week and I don't eat out lunch for the whole week on Friday, I take 150 bucks and I deposit right into my brokerage account and I buy um, fractional shares with my 150 bucks. I thought you were going to talk you know off and say, and I buy Starbucks. I put that hundred fifty into Starbucks. I, I mean, hey, damn straight, dude. Buy, buy Coke. Don't buy Coke. So buy everyone Starbucks. does this Don't like, Starbucks. You know, people probably have budgeting things, but when you budget, but you have nothing to show for it, like, you know, there's no reward at the end of the week of budgeting. You don't really have much to do. So for me, if like, if I can go the whole week, bring in my lunch, not going to Starbucks, 150 bucks every Friday, I'm splitting that between my stocks I've been talking about today and Starbucks is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. But my drink is a venti uh, dark roast with two shots of blonde. All right. I like it. That gets me going, man. If you're like, do you ever like stare at the ceiling from like 1.30 to 3.30 in the morning? Does that ever happen to you? No. That's No, you. I'm, am I the only one? Thinking about portfolios from one thirty to three thirty no, in the morning. Uh, I'm I'm sacked out at that point too. But for me, if I have one of those days where I got six hours of sleep, I'm going venti, dark roast, two shots of blonde. I'll have to give it a try. Yeah, I mean, maybe start with venti and one shot. All right, venti one shot, and, and then you use the app. No tipping. All right. If you um, I think if you go to the uh. The grocery store ones too, you don't. Uh, they don't have tippers built. They don't have no, things built no, into those. Not doing not Starbucks the in the Safeway, the King Supers, the Target. Not, I didn't I, know I can't you were such a Starbucks elitist. 
No, I need things quick and fast. I can't do that. You got the guy in front of you who throws in the, like, hey, can you scan the turkey meat and, the, and like the lunchable? And you're like, dude, get go to the line over there. <laughs> I did. I did. I was at Starbucks last time I went. Was in the grocery store, and the uh, lady in front of me was just trying to. Um, it was the thing where she's like, I got this drink at Starbucks one time, but I can't remember what it was. It <laughs> looks like it comes in a cup like this is like, oh, we're off to a good start here. They all come in a cup. <laughs> the next thing was just like it was uh, it was like a greenish color. So the lady's like, is it a green tea? And then she's like, is green tea sweet? And then it's like, no. So it's like, nope, that couldn't have been it. And then the uh, barista just goes all the uh, all the drinks that that are sweet. And then the lady's like, but this one was really sweet. And I was just like, just, just was that at one. a Safeway target. Uh, I was in a, it was in, yes, it was in an Albertsons. There one. you go. You got a different clientele at the Starbucks drive-through or you walk it into a Starbucks. It's a completely yeah. different experience. It's a true barista. Yeah. Hey, whereas... speaking of which, and my little um, disclaimer, I don't care what everyone does with their, their body, themselves, whatever. That's between them and their business. Have you seen the market share loss of Bud Light? Oh, yeah. It's, um, have we, you ever expand? I'm just talking stocks. I'm not getting political or what you think about it. I'm just asking, like, have you ever seen a company that had the number one selling beer? Do you know what, do you know what took it over, by the way, Bud Light? Was it there? Was it one of their other beers? Was it Coors? Coors Light? No, man. Um, Constellations is oh, now the uh, number one selling Cor- beer. Cor- with Corona Modelo. Modelo. That's right. Yeah. But they lost what? Did you see it was 26% of their market share? That's in, a huge number. In their product, not the stock, in their product. So, um, like you, I think we're on the uh, the same page with this too. Um, I haven't owned Bud. I mean, I don't plan on owning Bud either. But furthermore, just as a person that enjoys a uh, a nice cold lager, ale, whatever it is, it's not even the first beer that would 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 ever come on my radar if I was shopping too. So it's just interesting yep. too how many people just shop for domestic beers between the. Um, I guess you would say like the big three, whether it's uh, the Bud, uh, the Bud brand in their in their family, or or Coors in theirs, or or Corona or or Modelo's. But I would say it's a good opportunity too. Expand your mind. There's lots of good beers out there. I just can't believe how much they went twenty six percent down in sales. I mean, maybe there's opportunity there. I mean, their balance sheet still doesn't reflect it. It's funny. Last year they made thirty one billion, and right now trailing 12 month or at 31.4 billion almost identical um so. this this leads to uh sam adams you can uh you can rag on me all over again sat on sam adams there's one that was what hundred dollars 140 i bought was up to 400 i think it got as high as over a thousand and i don't know where it's trading wow. now but dude he this is 303 yeah so there's a lot of a lot of shares I probably bought that uh, are underwater. Some that are over. I actually haven't purchased it in forever, but listen to a few. Uh, did they miss and... the boat on uh, Truly? It's a, it's just so much of, of a fad. I mean, I yeah. don't think they're they're Sam Adams, the the namesake, is the driver anymore. The uh, the hard seltzers were for a while, but 
that's come and gone, but it does seem like the more I listen to their conference calls, it's like um, the craft beer market is very fickle. What is in one summer might not be in the next summer and this whole depletion levels. I never really knew this before. And this is a good reminder of why we do research, but how much uh, depletion levels really, really help. I mean, they, they brew a whole bunch of beer and they're ready to bottle it and sell it. And if it just sits there, that's just money that's that's going right down the down the drain. <laughs> they so, do own Twisted Tea. <laughs> that's their thing. They're gonna be uh, they're gonna be buying out. I still I wouldn't put it past it someday. I know Bud has has tried to to buy him more than once. Jim Jim Cook used to talk back in the day that yep. yeah, Bud would come all the time. And maybe someday there is the right CEO or the right board that just says yeah, let's let's do this. Let's just sell the to to Bud Light. Hey, quick. Uh... Last thing, and we'll wrap this up. Have you finished Succession? Yes. Yes, I finished Succession. So I'm not trying to spoil anyone, but what happened at Succession is pretty close to what happened at Chipotle. Steve Ellis mm-hmm. came in, founded the company. I even went to one of the uh, in-person um, shareholder meetings, which, by the way, I've told about the pod. I go to the shareholder meeting at the headquarters shareholder meetings at 1230. Okay. Get down there. You'd think they'd cater lunch. (laughs) Nothing. It's just Chipotle. Just, yeah, of course. That's what I'm, yeah. You can't have a little taco bar at the shareholder meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Put those little flame things underneath. They put the little pans in there to see there. Yeah. Qdoba does it up. And then um, he started it. He founded it, went public board hires him. The board kicked him out. This is, I mean, this has happened lots of times. This is Steve Jobs at Apple too. Started the company, twice, back, right? came back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the closest analogs too are are media conglomerates, whether it's the Murdoch family or the 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 Redstone family too. But um, it just, uh, I mean, the thing that I think is so apparent in that show too is just the amount of hubris with with those kids. I listened to this interview with the uh, the writers of the show, and I thought he summed it up the best. He's just like the Roy kids were born on third base. They've they've never they've never known any hardship or difficulty. Why would they why wouldn't they think that they could run that company just as well as their father without any experience? Well, that's why maybe I said it before on the pod, but there's this I'll try to make a quick story. There's this guy who he, you know, his grandfather walked 30 miles to school every day in the snow. Then his son walked five miles to school in the snow every day. And then his son was driving a Lamborghini (laughs) to school. And then his son was driving, was walking 30 miles a day in the snow. And I think what happens, why you don't have a lot of these big companies run is that at some point, that generation that grows up with everything. And that's the hardest part as a parent is trying to make sure your kids have a great lifestyle, but then also teaching them hard work not getting things handed to them and all that good stuff, you know, real quick, Barry or succession succession. I tapped, on, I tapped, I tapped out on Barry after um the third season. I really Dude, just got to finish it. I just couldn't get back into it. I think that part of it was that this was a show that after the, the off time during the pandemic, I really, I lost, um, it lost its mojo for me. And somewhere along the line, I just didn't have the interest in, in going back and watching it. And that's really what's always been 
a motivating factor for me is if I really am I'm looking forward to the next show. So or the next See, here's episode. Here's what you do. Here's the trick that I came up with. It's called I can't I I've never seen this. I call it uh, recap streaming. Mm-hmm. So I did this with Succession. You know what's like previously on Succession? Mm-hmm. I literally just recapped, did watch the recap for each episode of season two and three and four. Mm-hmm. And then I just watched the last episode of season four. <laughs> so and the recap, up, the, the recap took care of it previously. And they do the two minute thing about what happened in the previous episode. I just stop and watch the next recap. So that I don't even know all the details on this, but here's the type of the the kind of time I have. So in the final season, they're really talking about the Gojo deal and whether it's going to be finalized. And from the little bits and pieces that they've given throughout the show, you know how many shares of um, Waystar Royco that uh, that uh, that Kendall Roy has. And I remember doing some back of the envelope math on this too, and thinking that um, all of a sudden, and then they gave some they gave some rough numbers that they're gonna they would clear two two to, to $3 billion on this. And I was just doing some math, uh, what they would pay on capital games tax on that. And I didn't know if it was 3 billion total or divided up by the, uh, the four kids. Let's so divide it. I did it by, by the four kids, right? So you figure in 3 billion, you divide it by four. I was estimating it on their, on the number of shares they had in their cost basis. So all said and done, I was thinking after tax, each one of these kids is clearing about $440 million. And then when you look at the final episode and the final scene in Kendall Roy, it's just like <laughs> this broken man that's distraught on this park bench. And is he going to jump in the Hudson river or whatever? I'm like, you got $440 billion. The world is your oyster. Go start your own conglomerate. Just live in the Galapagos islands. But that's what I was just thinking. It's just the idea like we're financially ruined. And it's just like, well, that's the whole reason why, how this happens. That's why I liked about the show is when it ended spoiler, like, well, you just spoiled it. Sorry. Yeah. Like, do you know how many that happened? Procter and Gamble, John. I mean, it happened with every company you can think of. You just get the, you know, um, the what is it? The, the uh, I, read, I read a book on the the Vanderbilt family. I mean, one one generation after Cornelius Vanderbilt. I mean, the, his son. I mean, grew the the entire worth of the family like threefold in accounting for inflation. I mean, it was by far the the richest family in the world. But within fifty years, so we're talking basically, I don't know, uh, uh, it's a generation or whatever that there was no money left and it ties right into your example too just walking 30 miles and 20 miles and then you got a lamborghini by the end i mean those those kids that just didn't know how to do anything to to have that much money but also just being so caught up in that scene in new york the socialite scene oh you have a mansion that costs 50 million dollars we're gonna buy a mansion that costs 100 million dollars there's some mansion that's in upstate new york that was started by the vanderbilt family they built it but now it's just I don't know. You can go and visit it, but at one point they estimated it. It um, it costs like fifty million dollars a year to maintain it with the grounds crew, with the cleaning crew, with everything else. And the family never once stayed there. They just did it so that they could say they had the biggest mansion. And was like those type of decisions, you're gonna go broke yeah. real fast. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Yeah, it's a good stop point got. there. Yeah. All right. Well, here's um. Yeah, to a to a better uh, to to a second half of the year. This is as good as the the first half. Let's keep chugging, collecting good, those buddy. dividend payments. All right, take it easy, my man. I'll talk to you soon. See you.
you have any questions about any of what we've talked about today or something we missed, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Two Buds Talk Stocks or on Gmail at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And occasionally we post pictures on Instagram at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And if you listen to us on a platform like Apple where you can leave a rating or review, please do so. It might help bump us up in the algorithm and get more listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening.